Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. We welcome back our Rockets expert, Frank from Rockets Chop Shop. Good to catch up with you after a couple weeks, Frank. And as we close out the season, I'm wondering, should fans worry if they don't finish with the worst record because of a couple of late wins here and risk falling back to the seventh spot in the draft in a worst case ping pong ball scenario? What do you think about that? If if this was November 2022 and we still were learning about the team, I would tell you, no, don't worry about anything. But at this point, we're, we're not really doing anything. So I wouldn't say about the worst record. I, I honestly don't want them to finish with the worst overall record. All they need to do is finish at least bottom three where they can at least secure the 14%. That is allotted to those teams for the Wembyama, the first pick. Now, as far as the variance of um, the further picks being pushed out, the lower you are, because finishing with the worst record guarantees you're a top five pick. And, eh, you know, because I think the talent in the draft is there's a, you know, there's Wemby, Decline, Scoot, uh, Decline, and whoever else that you like. I've heard people put all sorts of guys at number three. I'm really high on the top two guys. And um, and Scoot is, is elevating in, in my position, like watching Halliburton, how he diced up the Rockets. And that just shows me that the value of having one of these, even though he's not the greatest shooter in the world, just a guy that could read the game at an elite level handle the ball, play make. It's such a valuable thing to have, especially in close games. So, yeah, after those two guys, everybody else is pretty much just another draft pick <laughs> that is going to be – we're going to have to develop over the next three or four years. So, honestly, I don't want them to finish with the worst record, but I also don't want a Texan uh, situation where Steven Silas, all of a sudden, after being a bad coach for three years, decides that he's going to try and – play all the best players 50 minutes a game and put out all his best lineups to try to win like 10 games in the last stretch. So yeah, I just want that happy medium. Just keep doing what you're doing, uh, but please don't finish last because that, that would be terrible as well. Yeah. You don't scare me with the finishing fit or getting the fifth pick or the seventh pick. Cause the, according to everybody in the draft, the tier wise, it's, it's pretty even from five to seven, but yeah, the Silas thing scares me a little bit. I want to hit you with some big picture questions, Frank, okay. on this uh, roster. But before I do, just a reminder to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube and listen to us on your favorite podcast app. But Frank, I, I, questions I want to hit you with. The first one's pretty tough, I think. And this is one that I'm sure you've thought about before. Between Jalen Jabari and Shangoon, who'd you be the most afraid to lose if the Rockets decided to deal one of the three in the offseason in some other trade or a bigger move for them? Ah, oh, man, that's tough. Um, between Jalen Jabari and Shangoon. Oh, man. I, I'm really, really high on, because obviously I think Jalen is going to be the easiest one not to touch. So we're, I'm not moving Jalen because I'm really, you know, I, I love his upside. Um, obviously, he's he has a long way to go, but um, you see the flashes of what he could be. And you would hope with a new coach, a new system, um, some structure, some veterans that they could really tap into those those things, those high highs he has. Maybe he's not scoring 40 at night, but if he can get to a consistent basis where he's trying on defense and uh, being able to score and a little bit of playmaking, then, yeah, you want that. Jabari, I know some people think the obvious answer is Jabari, but I'm actually really high on Jabari too. You know, the game that we saw yesterday obviously is not his baseline. Uh, his baseline has been pretty bad this year, but 
I'm going to attribute a lot of that to the structure again. Like this is a guy that can't self-create. The offense we run is not made for a, a Jabari Smith. It's made for guards. That's why when Kevin Porter is hurt or Jalen is hurt, Knicks is going to take 20 shots because the, it's really a schematic thing with the way the offense runs. And if you're um, a player that all you're doing is shooting threes and you suck at them right now, then you look like the worst player in the world. So I like how Jabari's been rebounding. I think the flash yesterday is just a little sneak peek of what he could be. Once again, structure, veterans, all the stuff you need to be successful. So I'm going to keep him. And I'm going to have to go with um, Shangun one, because not because I love Shangun, but, you know, he's not a top three pick. <laughs> I'll just go from that, uh, the cop out with that. The Rockets have invested more assets into uh, Jabari and Jalen. And to me, when you miss on those higher guys, it, it's more devastating to your franchise than a late lottery pick that doesn't pan out. You know, if Shangun doesn't pan out, hey, you know, you tried, and even though you traded picks for him, you you did what you could. But if we miss on Jalen and Jabari, that sets us back years because that pick that you didn't make could be the reason why you didn't have to make another pick in another year or trade for a player or waste assets. So they have to hit. So I'm I'm going to stick with those top five type of players way longer than I would a late lottery, even though I love Alp's game. And I think he has a lot of upside. I just I just can't move on from Jalen and Jabari that easily. Yeah, just so everybody knows, we're recording this after the Pacers game, but before the weekend. So we're going to upload this a, a, a more right. for you guys later on. I, I just uh, want to clarify now. So the guy that you would be most afraid to trade would be Jalen Green. Jalen, number one. Yeah. And least afraid to trade would be Shangu. Yes. And I know people are going to be, you know, the Shangun fans. I'm a Shangun fan, but um, at the end of the day, like a third pick is a third pick. Jabari's still 6'11. He's still going to, you know, still a prospect. I'm not going to call him a bust till year three. That's kind of my, my, my cutoff point for, and not even a bust. I'm not going to call him a great player until year three because I think by year three, the good ones you'll know. Oh, if they're really, really, really good, you'll know from day one, like the Lucas and stuff. So obviously we don't have a Luca on the roster. Jalen is not going to be a Luka Doncic or even a Trey Young at that. Um, but he's, I still think he can be a, a great NBA player. And I still think Jabari can be a great NBA player. And Shangun can probably be a great NBA player as well. But I'm going to go with the investment there. Like I said, I can miss on a Shangun, but you really are taking big steps backwards if you miss on Jalen and Jabari. The thing about Shane Goon is when you watch what he's done recently, we saw that sort of breakout stretch that he had when Jalen and Kevin Porter were hurt. And then it's sort of fallen back towards the median for him, I guess, at this point. And with Shane Goon, my concern about holding on to him is you're going to be waiting a while before this guy really develops the defense and the shooting that you need to compete in a playoff situation where I think when Jabari and Jalen, I don't know if you agree with this, when they turn the corner, they could get really good really quickly within the next year or two. But, you know, if, if you're afraid to shoot three-pointers or afraid to shoot the jump shot and you're having this much issue defensively trying to adjust to pick-and-roll situations, it seems like it's going to take a little bit longer for Shane Goon to develop, maybe three or four years before we really see him get to the point where you're, you're secure with him in a potential playoff situation if you get there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's true. And I think from the two of them, he, you know, his upside as far as like offensive engine is still really high. But um, yeah, he's 20. So I don't know if his draft position and how the Rockets view him is worth if they had to trade a player. That's that's how, the way I'm looking at it. There are some people that may prefer his skill set 
as a offensive hub over what maybe Jabari Smith brings to the table. But if, I, if I'm looking at it as a, as a GM, I'm looking at it, Shangun. Like you said, it's going to be a long-term project. A lot of the times, like if you look at Marc Gasol and Pal Gasol, even Brooke Lopez, these guys that are bigs that really they don't shoot till maybe five, six, seven years into their careers. So stretching the floor for Shangun is going to be a long-term project. And what you're going to see, he is progressively going to get better at it. But like you said, that's an investment you have to make. Now, obviously, he is a, a self-creator. But if you can get a guard uh, or perimeter player that could do that, you know, a lot of people would prefer that. Like I said, I'm not uh, low on Shangun or anything. I just don't see that as a the investment you make over um, what like a Jalen Green. Now, there's an argument for Jabari. If he stinks it up next year and it's like, dang, you know, is this dude really just a role player? Then, yeah, then you could look at that. Maybe he should be the one. But realistically, in the NBA, unless you're a, a four-time champion like the Warriors, guys just don't trade those top top three, four, five picks easily. Like, you have to give them every single opportunity to be the bust or, or prove to you that they, they're not that good. If I was a GM, I'd be the same way because, like I said, you miss on one of those guys that sets you back a couple of years. For example, if we didn't take Jabari Smith, Think of some of the other players. Keegan Murray was is right there available for you. Imagine what Keegan Murray would, would do on our team. Even with Silas, you know, that's a guy that's a he's a he's a shooter. There's nothing you can say about that. Um, even some of the the players that are even later on, like a Jalen Williams, if 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 let's say we had a later pick and picked him over Jabari, maybe he is a superstar. So those little moves that and missing on those guys is huge. It could be franchise altering. So yeah, it'll it'll be definitely Jalen is the guy I wouldn't touch. And then LP out of those three would be the one that probably gets moved the easiest. Yeah. And I think it's worth it if the Rockets fans look at what's going on with Denver in the playoffs this year, because even with everything that Jokic has done and the comparison is obviously Shangun to Jokic. Jokic came in, by the way, a way better shooter than Shangun when he came into the NBA. But look at what happens with them in the playoffs. And if, they pick on Jokic, who's a much better defender than Shangun at this point and has developed a lot in that area. But if they're still picking on him, and that's a problem for Denver, just stylistically or, you know, how they're going to deal with something like that in the play. If that's something that keeps them from moving from round to round, it's worth the Rockets fans to say, hey, this could be a problem with Shangun too, because they're they're very similar and and you know, Jokic came into the NBA, I think, offensively, at least way further ahead than uh, Shangun did. Like, it just depends on the matchups as well. Like, there are certain teams that Jokic could, you know, if he's playing a, a big, another big opposing big that's a dominant player, then, yeah, those are good matchups. Same for Shangun. But if it's the Warriors, Portland, any of these teams that have these high-level shooters, then, yeah, those matchups do become problematic. But to me, I'm not going to use that as a basis as far as, like, downing Alperin. You know, if he gets to even... Uh, 70% of where Jokic is, just build a, a, a flexible roster, you know, um, have a roster that maybe Jabari could play the five in certain matchups. And I, and that definitely I'm seeing flashes of like yesterday, Jabari played closed out the second half as the, as the five. That's why LP wasn't on the court um, because they, they were running a lot of pick and rolls and Halliburton was really abusing, um, abusing that. Now Jabari towards the end of the game, he, he was getting cooked, but um, you know, at the end of the day, that's why you have variants on your roster for those matchups, it's not even a Shangun thing alone. Clint Capella shouldn't have been playing against some of these uh, matchups, like in the Warriors, because he plays a slight drop, and that's that's just a bad matchup. They Stephen Adams was benched when he uh, when uh, Memphis played Golden State. By the time they brought him back, the se- series was already over. So, yeah, those are things we keep in mind. And if if you're going to build a team, 
I, I wouldn't build it around Alperin. I would build it with him in mind. And I think that's where the Rockets need to do a better job. They seem very like rigid in their approach to like offense and different things like that. And there's a world where you can have a Alperin Shangun skill set, Jalen Green's, um, you can have a rim running big, you can do other things. But one thing you pointed out, Robert, it's very important that his shooting, because that's really the thing that's to me, that's going to be the kicker there. Can he stretch the floor out where he can play next to a traditional big man? Because I think that also will be able to mitigate a lot of his issues. All right. Next up, I'm going to ask you to pick your favorite child. Uh, Tari <laughs> Eason and KJ Martin are the oh, same Lord. age. Who's the better player in three years, Tari or KJ? Oh, definitely Tari. I mean, I love KJ. Y'all know I love KJ. I think KJ at baseline is just a, a good pro. You know, he's a great player, does everything you want, high IQ, but Tari is just has a more well-rounded all-around basketball game. Tari can handle the ball, though not great. Well, he used to be in LSU, one of the best transition players in the NCAA. Um, but, you know, I don't know what happened to his layup-making ability. He's been doing better lately, um, getting to the basket. But you see the flashes there. You know, this is KJ's third year in the NBA. If if I think Tari Eason, if, if they started at the same age where they were like 19, Tari Eason will probably be a near, I'm not going to say all-star, but he'd be a starting level, like a good starter in the NBA on pretty much any team. What does he bring? Defense, rebounding transition play he pushes pace his shooting is 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 pretty good he's probably a second or third best three-point shooter on the team um he has good length for for his position he hasn't been in the nba uh workout program for three seasons so you you imagine what is he going to look like after three summers of working with a professional trainer as a millionaire because now he has the money to hire the best trainers nutrition conditioning all of that stuff you know he's been a college kid eating pizza hanging out with his friends and this is what he's bringing uh, to you on his first season. So that's, and this applies to all the rookies. That's why I like to give them a, a little bit of time because now they get all the best stuff the NBA offers. Tari Eason's frame looks like he could put on some muscle. I'm really high on Tari. I know you are, um, but over the past few months, he's really grown on me and I can really see what he brings. And I feel like they need to explore more of his game because like even the self-creation and him just being used maybe as a guy that you can give the ball to in isolation. Um, I think that's also in the, in, in the cards for him. But, yeah, I'll definitely pick Tari. And I love KJ, but it got to be Tari. Sure would be nice if you could mesh the two together. If yeah. KJ could hit threes like Tari, if Tari could cut like KJ, if Tari could finish around the basket like, like KJ, KJ, if uh, KJ had the height of Tari. I mean, you just put those two guys together, it'd be a hell of a basketball be a perfect play, The perfect uh, uh, complimentary player, yeah. Rockets fans are always considering which next all-star might be available on the trade market. They're at that point in the rebuild. Trey Young and Carl Anthony Towns, two potential candidates. Who would you be more willing to trade for, Trey or Cat? I would probably do Carl Anthony Towns because our top player, that's our top prospect is Jalen Green. I don't want to see a Jalen and Trey Young backcourt. <laughs> that's going to be um, just, just, you know, that's food. That's food for every team we play. They will abuse that. And I, I can't imagine if if you understand, like they they went out and tried to get the DeJounte Murray to cover up for Trey Young because he's known as a defensive stopper at the guard position. So that lets you know already on a good team like Atlanta, it's an issue. So, you know, if I bring him to Houston and pair him with Jalen, then, I you know, we might be probably the 11th or 13th, 12th team in the NBA. I would say Cap because he's a big, he stretches the floor. 
that's a guy that you could probably play with any of your players. The offensive uh, game that he provides is really fits anything you want to do. You want him to post up, you want him to shoot. Um, he's not a great like defender per se, but he's not like not there. He is a rim deterrent. I'm not going to say he's a shot blocker, but he has the height and the size to be a rim deterrent. Where you're, he's probably going to suffer is on the perimeter when he's guarded, but uh, guarding uh, quicker players. But you know, when you have a Jabari there that could supplement for that, you could do some things. He's a decent defender. He's just not a great defender, and he's not going to get played off in the playoffs. And I think I've seen enough for him in the playoffs that. Even though he's not, like I said, the greatest defender, he stays on the court because he offers so much. He can rebound. He can shoot. Yeah, that's a, to me, that's the easy answer, man. Give me give me Carl Anthony Towns. Pair him up with Jalen Green. Pair him up with the guys that we have. Then you can just go to work with that. Hell, he might even look good in the Steven Silas system. Uh, uh, you bring him over here. If he's uh, getting the looks that Wood has, you know, he might average, you know, 25 and 10 just doing that. So, yeah, I think Carl Anthony, Anthony Towns would be a, a easier, seamless fit for uh, the needs that we have on our roster. Yeah, when you said you were scared about a Trey Jalen backcourt defensively, that is what I'm talking about with you people that want James Harden back in the building. James Harden oh, didn't yeah. turn into Kawhi Leonard when he went to <laughs> Philadelphia. No, that that is going to be. And we were talking about this on the Chop Shop. Even if you bring James back this year, I think it's a good short-term move and it, it's, it has as good outcomes for fan, you know, morale. You're going to be on ESPN a couple more times. You're going to win more games, but roster building and just if you if you logically think out like, OK, James right now is already declining as a player. It's it's undeniable. As efficient as he is, he can't do the stuff he used to do. Let's say next year he takes another decline then he declines some more. So by you're hoping in uh, 2025, 2026 on his third and fourth year of his uh, $50 million a year contract, because that's what he's going to garner in Houston that he is able to produce something. I don't think a 37, 38-year-old James Harden, if you're in the playoffs and you assume maybe by then you'll be in the playoffs, is going to be able to stay on the court. He's probably going to be defensively unplayable in the playoff setting. So what does that mean? You're relying on Jalen Green. You're going to be relying on Jabari or on Tari, on Shangun. You're going to be relying on whoever is still here at that time to do a lot of the heavy lifting for your team because James Harden is going to be 38, slow, he probably still has a sharp mind, but he he's not going to be a he's going to be almost unplayable on defense. If you're going to rely on the young guys anyway, why even put yourself in that position? That fifty million dollars could get you a Mikael Bridges. That could get you a three and D wing. You could do more more with it. Maybe just get a serviceable point guard and use that money to build a deeper bench, or use that money to see what happens in the, in the free agency. Maybe Jalen Brown wants out of out of Boston. Maybe there's a player. Maybe Paul George gets tired of being in L.A. and he wants to move. Maybe the, the Clippers blow. You don't know what could happen in there. Maybe A.D. wants out of um, out of uh, the Lakers. To me, that's really where the crux of this James Harden thing comes in. At the point where you're going to be paying him those last two, two years, the $50 million, he's probably not going to be that helpful to you in winning. If you just need vets to help your team transition, just get some. It doesn't have to be James Harden. You can get any vet. You can get Mike Conley. You can get somebody to come down here help them learn how to win. And then once those two-year contracts expire, you start bringing in some guys because at the end of the day, if you, if Jalen Green isn't an all-star level and Jabari isn't playing at a damn near all-NBA level, then you're not going to be winning anything anyways, even with James Harden. What if I told you you could severely front-load James' contract to yes. where it, it's a decrease, decreasing value as it goes along? Is is that more pallet- yeah. palatable? Oh, yeah. that is, to me, that's the best-case scenario. I would... Hell, I even said I'd give him if he wanted 150 into like I will give him every he can have the whole cap space. 
because we're not really doing nothing with it right now. And honestly, if I could give him a two-year contract, I would. I'd give him like 60, 60 million for two years, 120. James, go to work. Yeah, two years. By then, have the guys learn how to play with the real point guard um, and then just move on from him because one thing people have to realize is coming up. In 2024, Jalen is going to be eligible for an extension. And in 2025, Jabari is going to be eligible for an extension. So theoretically, you could have, if, J- if James has a four-year contract, on his third year, him and Jalen's uh, contracts are going to be overlapping. And the way these rookie extensions are, Jalen might be getting $40 million. You know, he might be a guy that's getting 40. So between him and James Harden, that's 90 million of your salary going to two guys. Then the fourth year, Jabari comes into the picture. Let's say Jabari doesn't get the full um, extension because he's not that good, but you you still got to pay him like 30 million. So that's almost 120 million dollars in three guys. That's a real thing. Then how do you build a roster around that that's going to win? And and at the point, James might not even be playable anymore. So Rafael Stone, I don't know. He that's I'm not sure if if this is the best case for the Rockets. Honestly, I, I hope he doesn't come, but I'm not going to be mad at it. But like like you said, front-loaded, you can give him a boatload of money in two years, then have it decline out. And I know he's not going to let us do a team option for the fourth year. If it's like 30 or below in the fourth year, I'm fine with that, um, if they could pull that off. And and we should have a boost in the cap here coming up, a severe yep. boost in a couple of years too, which that's going to affect those last two years. So. If he's making, I don't know, 30 or $40 million, say he's making 35 or $40 million in two or three years down the road, maybe that is the equivalent of $25 million yep. as we see it right now. Yep. Same thing with the Chris Paul contract we're looking at. Uh, when he first signed it, people were like, oh, my God, that's a terrible contract for a 30-whatever-year-old. That's a good contract to me now. He's making like $28 million or something like that. That's a decent contract for what Chris Paul, uh, what the value he brings on your team on and off the court. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, a good way to look at it. I wonder how the cap actually works, where they structure If they do front load them, it's going to eat up a massive amount of our cap space. Because even though we have a lot, it's like $68 million. If you even it out, he's going to make 50 a year. If you front-load it some more, it really gets funny um, with trying to make moves to kind of fill out the roster unless you're willing to trade some of these guys. And the only guys on the roster that have good, valuable trade contracts are Kevin Porter and Jay Sean Tate. Everybody else is still on their rookie deals, you know, $2 million, $3 million. That's really not going to get you anything. Kevin Porter, eighteen million. Um, if you fully guarantee it, Jay Sean Tate, what is he like, eleven or 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 something like that? Yeah, those are the two contracts you have. Uh, you could play with, and maybe they do move on from those guys. Use them together to bring in some more vets. But that's pretty much it. Other than that, you know, you just have a bunch of young guys and uh, James Harden. Yeah, I don't see Porter being here for that long because of that contract. Uh, last question I got for you. Usman Garuba, his three-point shot doesn't appear to be an anomaly. He just keeps hitting it, not super high volume. But, Frank, we're now at 38 attempts, 55% for the season on 38 attempts. Like I said, not big volume, but he just keeps doing it. Has your perception of his potential offensively changed at all? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely. I, I've, I'm, I'm not – I wasn't high on Usman. I'm not very – but over the past few months, I think just the fact that he's taken him comfortably, yeah, the volume is super low, and I still think in a playoff setting he would get iced out and probably wouldn't be great. But um, it does help you believe that this is something he could work towards. So that is encouraging. And the defense is really what I'm excited about. He is being sustainably one of our best defenders. And where I really like him is his perimeter defense. His perimeter defense is really, really good. His post defense is really good. Usman is all around good defender, and he's finally starting to show 
some of the flashes that you saw when he was playing in Spain that made him somebody that you you would be willing to take a swing on because it didn't look good at first for a while. But, you know, once again, young guy getting into his development. I'm curious to see um, what he, after this summer, what does he come back looking like? Because obviously the ankle injury in the, in the offseason did hamper his some of his, um, his conditioning. It, it seems like it takes him a while to ramp up to being in NBA shape. And I still think the conditioning is an issue for him. He can only play in small stretches because he exerts so much effort on, on the court. So can he sustain what he's doing for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and still be able to hit his shots? I think that's where he needs to get to next. But he's bought time for himself, I'll say that. He's a guy that you probably still want to keep around and see what he develops into. Because if he does pan out, yeah, that's a small ball five that you could use that has some size. He has a very rare skill set where he has the foot speed to guard on a perimeter, but he's not a small ball five that's small. He's kind of a, 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 a burly player, so he can guard in the post, and he's strong and crafty. So, yeah, I'm really excited about to see what Usman does co- this coming year. Is there anything that you would like to see him get better at on the defensive side? Is there any weaknesses that you see with him defensively? Uh, just him being able to um, not foul. He does tend to get a little aggressive with his trying to steal the ball. Um, and it gets him into into foul trouble. Certain players can take advantage of that. He is a bit giddy with his hands and feet. Just learning to just calm down and just play. Because I've seen uh, people use his overexcitement and aggressiveness to his detriment. And, you know, that is a thing that players have to get used to um, not fouling. But, yeah, just the, but otherwise, he, he's a pretty he's a good defender. You know, we saw him guard Giannis. There was another player. He guarded MB pretty good as well. Um, it seems like when he gets bigs on him, he makes it hard for them to get uh, their dribbles. Like every time they put the ball on the floor, he's swiping at it. So they're very uncomfortable. And he's like a little pest. He's almost like a Pat Beverly guarding LeBron. That's how he guards bigs. Like where they get under your legs and it just makes you just like, even though they're bigger than him, he makes them uncomfortable. So, but his conditioning to me is going to impact everything for him. The shooting is, it's uh, now I'm expecting them to go in. It's weird. You know, I, I isn't he like our best shooter percentage wise? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But more volume on that. Cause I need to see if he can do it uh, on, on a real base, but the shot looks good. It looks good. You and I have talked about Jabari Smith and his jumper and where it, it needs to go and what needs to happen with that and how you fix that. You talked about that on rocket's chop shop, right? You, you got it a little bit more in depth on it, right? Yes, sir. We, um, did a video breakdown looking at his shot diet and basically um, what I came away with looking at it, what it was at Auburn compared to now is that he's basically KJ Martin, a 6'11 KJ Martin. That's, that's his shot diet, which is he gets his scoring off of either catch and shoot threes or he's uh cutting or getting offensive rebounds, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with being KJ Martin, but I'm not going to invest a third pick in KJ Martin. If that's all I'm going to, he's going to give me. So my biggest beef with Coach Silas is just how rigid their offense is. The reason that you guys get mad at Knicks, it's not his fault. If KPJ isn't jacking up 20 shots or Jalen isn't jacking up 20 shots, whoever is going to be the point guard, even if it's Tate, that's the prerogative of Coach Silas's offense. The ball handlers dictate everything. And I just don't see the creativity for the Rockets to put Jabari in, in spots where we can explore other aspects of his game instead of just shooting threes and just being an offensive rebounder. He shouldn't be taking that many threes anyways like in at Auburn he only took five a game the way he got a lot of his his juices flowing was getting into post-up situations face-up situations uh in the mid-range and once he started getting his shots off then he was he's able to come out and, and stretch the floor a little bit more so more creativity for him I think yesterday even though that's a really really high like 
bar to set that shot died he had yesterday where he's inside out that should be him on a constant basis and the Rockets should be intentional he's a third pick I don't want him to be just a um, a role man like you don't draft a guy overall three and just have him stand there and wait for uh KPJ and Jalen to kick him out threes it's just lazy from the Rockets to do so and people tell me well you know he's young he needs to no like he's a third pick these years where we suck this is when you experiment I don't care if Jabari shoots 20% from every zone on the court. I need to see what he's good at. So we can know, do we, if then you're talking about trading players, half these guys are not put in position to even be successful. So we really don't know their true, true value. We don't know because it's just like Kosalas is trying to win with a certain style and he'll play Boban and Knicks and all these random guys while guys like Ty Ty Washington, Josh Christopher, rot away on the bench or go to the G League. And these are the guys we have to make decisions on coming up in a, you know, in a year or two. So, yeah, I definitely want to see him get more of an evened-out shot die like he did at Auburn and see what he is. Is, is he good in the post-up? Can he make those mid-range shots? If he sucks, then, hey, we found out. But we don't know right now because um, he's just shooting threes and just running around um, trying to get rebounds. Yeah, and just real quick, somebody said on Twitter, man, it would be great if you could put shooters around Jabari and Jalen and Shane Goon. But I'm telling you, Frank, that's this is a joke to me because you right. can't have three guys on the court that can't shoot threes. One of these guys, you need at least two of these guys to be able to shoot three. There is no way for you to improve. This team is a disaster from outside the arc. And the only way to get better is to start shooting threes and make them because the math kills you every single night. You're getting killed in the math. It's even worse. They're not generating threes. I think that's that's really, and that goes down to the, the point guard situation. It's not it's one thing to shoot threes. I think we were 5 of 15 yesterday. Like, that's not going to cut it in the NBA. And well, but they're 5 of 15, though, because these guys are scared to shoot open threes because they're not good at it. That's the thing. They're not yeah, good. Look, Jabari's open all the time. Shangun is open all the time. Right. Uh, Jalen, not so much, but those two guys are open all the time. And if they're afraid to shoot, it doesn't matter. You can, you're can you generating them. They're wide open all the time. I three. think J- Jalen takes a decent amount of threes. Bad, he takes the bad threes. I, I would, he yeah. has, yeah, he takes a lot of bad threes. Kevin Porter, he's a good shooter, but he also takes a lot of bad threes. I'm not even worried about our backcourt shooting threes. I think it comes down to the Tates of the world, the KJs of the world, Tari's to a smaller extent. Jabari recently, yeah, hopefully he's out of that. Uh, but Jabari's been like, okay, you don't you don't want him to shoot, but you want him to shoot. But you know, I think one, we're not generating threes. We're at a almost a is a, a set eight year low in corner threes for the Houston Rockets. One of the things that we've done in the past few years is have good corner threes. The Rockets might have, I think we're like in a twenty fifth percentile in generating corner threes, which are the easy shot. And if you look at the guys that we're leaving in the corners, Tate. It's all. It's just bad shooters everywhere. Um, I think that is something that they can address immediately if they do want to win next year. Um, they need to get some real three and D wings because we have wings that are both bad on threes and D. So um, it, it's it's something that they. I, I think that's like a top priority as long as we're getting a point guard and a, a center that could uh, that could protect the rim. Even if you are keeping Shangun, um, you need those and those three things alone would make them just a functional team. Like I said, I watch Halliburton by himself just destroy the Rockets. And that should show everybody the value of having one of those guys on the court in crunch time. It, it makes a huge difference to have a guard that is he can see the entire thing, 
he's complete he's manipulating defense bending the defense and he's just like just making all the plays and he can score when he wants if we get scoot henderson i am not gonna cry or be mad that we didn't get Wemby because i feel like that is the biggest thing that we missed throughout this whole rebuild is having that that cerebral point guard and to me that affects everybody's development throughout the time jalen's shangun's jabari's tari's um, that is something we need um, immediately. But yeah, the three-point generation and shot shot making has been pretty bad, pretty bad, pretty bad. Yeah, tell me what you think in the comments. Uh, do you agree or disagree with me and Frank on this? And uh, let us know. Thanks so much for doing this, Frank. On a on a Friday, we're, we're recording on a Friday, but we're, we're gonna you'll see this uh, up on a Sunday and Monday, I, I think. Uh, so uh, it's, it's great to talk with you. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, bro. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.